Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I'm so excited about today's episode because this is someone who has such amazing entrepreneurial energy, and what he really specializes in is something that affects every single one of us, which is, of course, sales, and particularly in early stage sales. So this is a perfect match for so many of you listeners within the entrepreneur to entrepreneur community. If you're wondering, how do I even start getting traction? How do I even start growing? Today's expert is absolutely going to blow your mind. So let me tell you about him. His name is Luke Bivens. He's the founder of QC Growth. And he's also a seasoned executive with a knack for startup success. He's a former founding account executive at three thriving tech startups, most recently Gatsby, where he developed a passion for selling developer tools. Luke excels in early stage sales, aiding founders in finding ideal customers and generating initial revenue, which people always say, how often do we hear it in the entrepreneurial world that your first 100K, your first million is the hardest? That's where Luke is going to help us get over over that initial inertia. With QC Growth, he continues to be a driving force in the startup ecosystem, guiding new ventures to success. And outside of work, I love always sharing kind of the human side of entrepreneurs. Luke loves spending time with his wife and his five-month-old boy, Hayes. QC Growth started because Luke wanted to create a lifestyle that not only supported his family financially, but also gave him the flexibility to spend more time with them and focus on things like health and wellness, which let's remember, entrepreneurship is not all about business. It's also about the lifestyle and the freedom. So we're going to touch on that today as well. So I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Luke Bivens. All right, Luke, I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited. Heck yeah. Well, obviously, I shared just a little teaser with listeners about you and your background, but give us the behind the scenes story. How the heck did you fall into all these awesome things that you're up to today? Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I would say I've always worked in tech and startups, and I've always had a, a passion for that. Um, I think the reason for that is my older brother, um, you know, he went from baking and worked in startups and me growing up, I thought that was such a cool opportunity. And so um, you mentioned it in the intro, but I've been that founding account executive uh, for three different tech startups. Um, so I'm a little different in like when you talk to regular sales reps and like, I love that early stage of the ups and downs of figuring out product market fit, finding the right customers and generating early revenue. Um, rather than, you know, the, the typical, you know, tech enterprise sales, um, side of things that, uh, you know, most sales reps are in. Um, so yeah, so I, uh, you know, kind of got lucky. Um, my first job in tech came from, um, finding a company in Los Angeles and finding the founders and just reaching out to them via LinkedIn. Um, and that was kind of my jumpstart into, um, being that first sales rep and, uh, learning everything from scratch that way. Yeah, I love that overview, Luke, because so much of your story is rooted in, it's probably we're both going to say these words a million times today, which is that early stage, that first initial revenue jump. And for me, it's always been my perspective. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 or 16 years now, which sounds crazy to say since I was 19 years Mm -hmm. old. And what I've learned along the way is that 
early stage companies that experience growth, it's because what is growth? Growth is really mm-hmm. revenue. It's getting money in the door. Yeah. It's why all of our businesses exist. But I feel like so many people get caught up in figuring out, oh, what's my branding going to be? What's my social media going to be? What's all of that? Mm-hmm. Luke, why is revenue so important? You use the words, and I love that mm-hmm. you said it here on the air, figuring out. There's so much we need to figure out at the beginning, but I think figuring out sales and revenue is the most important. Talk to us about those early considerations because you're right. It is a different setup. It is a different phase of business than already established ones. Give us your perspectives on those early stages. Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. And like the way when you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of, you know, uh, technical people maybe that are building a product, when they're building a product, most of the time they're thinking, all right, I'm building something that can solve problems for every single company, every single person out there. Um, and what I really like, or what I've seen as successful and in, in come in and help and do is helping those founders narrow that down and say, all right, we know that we can help a lot of people, but who are the, you know, the people that we help the most and who's, um, you know, the type of person that this product can make their lives easier. Um, and so it's really like narrowing that focus. And there's plenty of uh, revenue out there if you really narrow down the target market for a lot of different products and services. Um, and so that's, you know, where I come in and uh, help those those founders focus on that. Um, but then also build the entire process of all right, how are we going to draw interest? How are we going to get in front of those people um, and start driving the meaningful conversations to start a sales process and start driving revenue? Yeah, Luke, I love that you started there because this is advice that we hear on a million business podcasts, YouTube videos, books, all of that, which is that that narrowing of the focus, niche down, find your ideal customer, build out your customer avatar. All of these things are things that we hear, Luke, but it's especially difficult, especially at the beginning for us to say, well, I don't have any revenue coming in. Like, I just need revenue from anywhere and everywhere that I can find it. It's the time period in our business journey where it's the hardest to focus. It's the hardest Mm -hmm. to narrow in. Talk to us about your experiences of that because I'm sure you've seen companies that want to do the opposite and they're like, nah, we want to sell to anybody (laughs) and everybody. You've hit the ground. Like, you've hit the streets and actually sold to people. How much does that assist? Why do we need to do it? And Luke, I'll ask you the broad question. How do we even do that when we don't have data to go off of? Yeah, so I, I would even I, like a good example of that is my own business in QC Growth. Of um, so I work with early stage tech companies and early stage founders and help them, you know, do exactly that. Find the right people um, that they should be reaching out to and build that sales process. Um, so for me, you know, I sure I can help companies with their sales process um, and building that you know, that sales pipeline and helping drive revenue. Um, but I had really had to narrow my focus when I first started the business. Um, I thought at first I could help anyone that was B2B tech um, enabled companies. Um, and sure, I could. I think I could help a lot of those companies. But what really helped me drive meetings and help drive revenue as a business was narrowing that focus of my expertise, which is like developer tools companies. Um, and so being able to tell a story behind that of my experience in developer tools, helping those companies, I was able to take that and, you know, portray that messaging to those types of companies, which drew interest and, um, has really helped me scale and grow. 
and it's kind of the same thing um, with these tech companies that I'm talking with is, um, you know, let's sit down and let's like formulate a plan that um, is going to help us solve you know, when we're help us tell a story exactly of um, when we're going out to these companies, you know, what's the story that we're telling and how is it going to resonate with them? Yeah. Oh, I want to piggyback on this concept of telling a story because that's the one thing that as I've matured as an entrepreneur, sales have become easier because I have a lot of stories that I can tell. I Mm -hmm. have success stories. I have client wins. I have those tangible things to turn to and say, oh yeah, here's exactly what we were able to help this company accomplish these things. And so sales becomes easier there. But Luke, what I find so fascinating about your journey is you love early stage growth, which I genuinely think that's the hardest stage of growth. With that in mind when you don't have those stories per se you don't have case studies success stories where do you get that inspiration from how do you find examples how do you even start to put together a story when you're starting with nothing yeah and i think that's why i love the early stage sales process so so much because it differs from you know like a company that already has product market fit where you're reaching out if you're a company that has that already you're reaching out and you're selling from the moment you interact with that company whereas these earlier stage companies we're not like we're not sending emails or having outreach and trying to sell someone right away it's more so you're trying to build those customer advocates and also it's a constant loop of trying to un- like get feedback from um or it, like test a hypothesis of the types of companies that you're reaching out to. So it's more so, hey, you know, we think that this uh, this product that we've built can solve your problems, but we don't know for sure. And we would love just to have a conversation to see if what we're doing can help you out and make your life easier. And that that type of um, messaging, that type of outreach. Uh, typically drives more conversations because you know a lot of people don't want to talk to salespeople um, and get pitched on a pitch deck or anything like that. It's more this is conversational. We have a hypothesis and we want to see if you know what we're doing could even help you out. Um, and so that's usually where we're we're driving those initial conversations, and those initial conversations will turn into pipeline down the line. Um, the more you have them, and the more people you get in front of. Yeah, Luke, it's music to my ears hearing someone in sales say these things because how often are we told fake it until you make it. And so many people, myself included, you know, I'm going to call myself out right here right now. When I was 22 and I started my first agency, this is when I had a marketing agency back in Boston. I remember walking into a local sandwich shop and my first ever sales pitch is I kept saying like, we do this, we've done this. And I had none of that. And I said, we, because I wanted to feel bigger, you know, the whole fake it till you make it thing. But Luke, what I'm hearing from you is, is the opposite of that. It's just transparency of, Hey, we're figuring this out for people exactly like you. We believe it can work, but let's figure that out together. Talk to us about that discovery process. Because I actually, in hindsight, and especially hearing you talk about it, I almost feel like that removes the pressures from sales on both sides yep. of the table. It's way easier that way. Yep. Yeah. And it, 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 like you nailed it on the head, it is a discovery process. So my, like, if you call it a sales philosophy, um, and I got it from one of uh, my VPs of sales, that uh, mentors, I would say that, um, it's this idea of sales through curiosity. And so it's entering every conversation of, 
hey, we're not, you know, we are not selling something. It's you're being as curious as possible about the person that you're talking with and trying to understand their current situation, um, their day to day and like what, like what really um, causes pain for them and tying that back to saying, okay, these are like, these are the things that cause pain. These are the things that take time out of your day. Um, and I think we might have a solution that, that, um, can solve for some of that, but still like in in these early conversations, you're not really pitching anything from the start. It's more having that curiosity and really trying to understand, uh, the folks that you're talking to and then taking that feedback. And then what I help with is taking that feedback to the rest of the organization, to engineering, to marketing, um, to product and making sure that the company is building something that solves problems for their target market. Yes. Luke, I want to call this out for listeners right here, right now, because I think most entrepreneurs think that a sales call is a call where sales happen rather than what I just heard you say is it almost sounds like a listening call is when you get on the phone with me, you actually don't even have a pitch. You actually don't even have something that you want me to sign on the dotted line for because you just want to hear me out. And then what I'm hearing and correct me if I'm wrong, because I want to understand your process, but it sounds like you then hit the whiteboard with me not present and you say, okay, here's Brian's goals. Here's maybe Brian's budget. Here's all of this. What's a solution for him? And then you come back to it because Luke, I feel like so many newer entrepreneurs, especially they, when they get on that call, they're like, oh my gosh, what, what price should I tell them? What service should I tell them? And my advice to them is always, who knows? Like you don't know. And I don't know. You got to listen to them first. Talk to us about that nature. Am, Am I hitting the nail on the head with your approach? Shed some light on it. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of the the founders I work with are technical people, and they they're builders, right? So when they um, when I first talk with them, they you know they say like I, I I hate the sales process. I I feel like I'm hurting the company because I don't you know know how to do sales. And what I always tell them is you know especially at this stage, this is your baby and the the people that you're talking to just want to hear your vision and how you built the company and where you want to want to take it and this is not a say you don't need to be the best closer um as a founder at this stage you again like you need to be a listener and you want to be in those early conversations because customers are going to tell you what they want um and so customers will you know those early stage customers will help you dictate where you should kind of take the company and like help you validate your hypothesis. So you probably had a hypothesis when you built the product or built the service of like the types of people you want to go out to and the types of problems you want to solve. And those, those are early conversations are just validation or they're going to help you kind of direct you as a company, um, make sure you're going down the right path and you're actually building something that people will pay for. Yeah. I'm, again, I want to call this out for our listeners. Luke, I think so much of your brilliance, if people aren't listening so acutely, they might miss it because what I'm hearing from you, it's not only is your sales conversational or sales conversation easier and more of a discovery process, but also what I'm hearing is that at the early stages of growth, when you're just launching your product or service, your customers are also genuinely helping to shape the future of your company is that they're not just a customer. Let me go get as many customers as possible. They are helping you better serve not only them, but your future customers. So I think that's a really important part of your growth process. And and probably I would imagine why you enjoy it so much. I want to talk about one of 
those biggest sticking points for early entrepreneurs and businesses, which is, of course, I already used it as one objective or objection, pricing. People have no mm-hmm. idea how to price stuff. Luke, it's obviously an important part of the sales. It's an important part of any offer. Where do you even go to begin that process? Is that just purely experimentation, throw a dart at a board, or do you have some <laughs> sort of other way of arriving there? Yeah. So I, I will say like in the, you know, I've been that founding account, account executive uh, sales rep three different times. And we like, I mean, I think every early stage company there, you go through those trials and tribulations. And there have been situations where, uh, you know, we go into deals against competitors and we're like $50,000 off of, you know, where everyone else was quoting them. So like you figure that stuff out as you go. Um, and the fun thing about my role now is I'm working with a lot of different companies and it's different pricing models and they're trying to figure it out. Uh, it's different products, different like metrics that they're offering um, to users. And the thing that I always think back of is like, put yourself in um, the user's shoes and try to make pricing as simple as possible. So I think of, you know, when someone comes to your pricing page, you should all like, or your first conversation, you're trying to build the business case for that user. So a lot of times, um, it could be like a team lead or an engineer that it wants to use your product. And typically, they would have to build a business case to their boss or to their boss's boss to get that approved. And so the way I always try to think about pricing is, how do we make this pricing as simple as possible so that if they're explaining this to someone in their organization or they're trying to predict costs for the year, um, it's very easy uh, to do that. So it's it's difficult across companies and, and verticals and things like that. But my process is always, all right, let's see what the market is doing. Let's see what the more established companies are doing and try to uh, use the same type of language so that if people are evaluating different products, they... Um, you know, there's kind of common knowledge there, but the goal is, all right, let's make pricing easy. Let's not make it a, some super complex thing that they can't explain to someone else in their company. Yeah. It's something that I so frequently tell entrepreneurs is that we as entrepreneurs, we want to have the answers and find the answers ourselves. But Luke, you just laid it bare for us right there, which is often the market, your customer, they're the ones that have the answers that we all need. So it's about sometimes it's about looking outwards and finding those answers. So I love your perspective on that. I also want to talk about this because I think we make the price of things more important than we should. Whereas I would imagine you are obviously way better at sales than I am and and most listeners are. With that in mind, I understand that really great salespeople, you know that it doesn't just come down to price. There's so many other ingredients Mm -hmm. to someone saying yes or no. Talk to us about some of those other ways so we don't always worry about competing just on price. Yeah. Um, Another great question. So that kind of all ties back to like that sales through curiosity aspect. So if you're doing treating every conversation as a discovery call, um, and truly trying to understand, all right, what are the pain points in the company? What are the KPIs for that team that you're talking to? Um, and you're really able to understand all of those things. And like I kind of mentioned is, you know, from that first conversation, yes, it is a discovery call, but what you're also trying to do is get as much information as possible so that you can build that business case so that when someone is, or once you do get to the point of saying, all right, here's the price, um, now go get it approved by the CFO or whoever it is, however the process works in that company. Um, 
you have enough and you've already built the business case for them so that they can say, all right, these are all the pain points that, you know, our team has. And this is this, these, this solution that we are trying to buy or purchase. This is the ideal scenario. If we move to this solution, like this is every, this is our ideal world. Um, and these are the metrics that, you know, it could be like time back. It could be cost savings, um, whatever it is, but really trying to, again, figure out, be super curious about what it is they're trying to solve. And then, um, if you're able to solve those things, then price is a much easier conversation. Yeah, Luke, I'm going to push you a little bit further because it's, again, I always look for those keywords that keep popping up. And in your case, obviously, curiosity is at the root of your sales process and your methodology. And when you talk about curiosity, you talk about gathering information, which is totally contrary to people just spewing out an elevator pitch that we're always pressured to have. What sort of information are you looking to gather? Because I love how much you share. Your end goal is obviously the business use case. You're looking to help them sell it essentially to whoever the decision maker is. What sort of information arms you as a sales expert, as a sales strategist to put together that story and that business use case? Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, like the first thing is like, what you're trying to do when you're gathering that information or, um, you know, sales through curiosity is you're trying to be as empathetic as possible and understand exactly the seat that that person is in. So, um, what I always like, you know, tell founders or am trying to do when I'm in a sales conversation is, all right, if I put myself in this person's shoes, how do I understand that current situation, their day-to-day job, and like, what are the things that really just make them, you know, hate their job? Or um, what are things that they could be doing that could get them a promotion? So a lot of times in sales conversations, it's, you know, you're, what I always tell people is like, hey, what we're trying to do is provide a solution that you can take back to your team and it helps you get a promotion. Um, and so like it improves the efficiency of the team or it improves the efficiency efficiency of um, this particular person, uh, whatever that may be. Um, but it's, yeah, I think the biggest thing with gathering information is really saying, all right, I understand your job. I understand your day to day. And, um, you know, I know the things that would help you as a person within that company or, or help your organization as well. Yeah, Luke, again, so much of it. Gosh, sales by curiosity. That is such an important takeaway from today's episode. I want to switch gears a little bit because listeners know that we always ask our guests, what is your zone of genius? And Luke, I love your answer. You wrote, creating systems and processes that keep me very organized. This is such an essential part not only business, but essentially sales. Obviously, we know the importance of follow-ups in sales. Give us some insights there. Spill some of your secrets for us here on the air. What are some of those processes and systems that help you stay organized? Because probably sales is the messiest part of business because there's so much going on. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear what keeps you organized. Yeah. So the one thing I I think a lot of great sales reps... um, are very operational focused because you're you're essentially managing your own business, your quota or um, you know your pipeline. You have to manage that like it is your own business, and I think that really helped prepare me to kind of go out on my own um, and build my own business because I came into it and was very 
organized on my, you know, handling follow-ups, making things, making sure things don't fall through the cracks. Um, but now that I, you know, am out on my own and have kind of, uh, built my own pipeline and all of that, the thing that keeps me super organized is I, I'm like, I document everything. Um, so when it comes to work things, I'm doing all of it in notion. So I've kind of created my own wiki, um, and my own sales playbook of managing, uh, prospective clients, managing current projects, um, creating templates. So like a lot of the, the processes and the things that I'm building for one client, what I want to be able to do is kind of rinse and repeat. So when I start with a new client, I'm not building all these templates from scratch. And so Notion and, and Google Docs um, are kind of like my go-tos for all of that, which is really helpful. Um, and on the, uh, you know, I also use those same tools for everything else in life as well. So um, I track all my workouts that I do. I have a document of all my workouts over the last, I think, eight years in one Google Doc. Um, and it's not like I go back and look at all those, but it's just this like, it's the mindset of I want to document everything so nothing falls through the cracks, whether that be business, life, um, health and wellness, all of it. Yes. I'm so glad that you said Notion. As you were talking about it, I was like, Luke's definitely a Notion kind of guy. And it's so good to hear that you are. Notion powers everything behind our podcast. We have a lot. Obviously, listeners know we have five episodes a week. We've got so many guests that come on. We are proactively reaching out to guests. There's a lot of moving parts. At, for example, after we finish hitting record here today, I drop the files into Notion. Our post-production team picks it up. There's checklists for every episode that automatically generate. I'm a big fan of that. And I thank you for sharing that with our listeners here today, Luke. I also want to talk a little bit about the notion of you not only as a sales expert, but you're one of us. You're a fellow entrepreneur coming on the show here today. And I know so much of what drives you is the lifestyle that you want to live as an entrepreneur, but especially as a husband, especially as a father. Talk to us about some of those aspects and how that's really not only guiding you in the decisions that you make, but it's really to helping to shape the actual business that you're growing, the way you're offering your services. Give us some insights there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I honestly, it wasn't really until probably this time last year where I really thought, all right, I want to be an entrepreneur and build something on my own. And I think the the reason that this all started was this time last year, my wife was pregnant um, with our firstborn, our baby boy, uh, Hayes, who's now, he'll be six months um, here at the end of the month. Um, but it was actually, you know, I, I knew that I had a, a niche of uh, early stage sales and I loved that process. And I knew that a lot of early stage startups struggled with it. So I knew that there was a market there. Um, but the big piece of it was like the lifestyle side of it. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast I've seen a lot of the the things on Twitter about like solopreneur um, and everything that goes into that. So that I follow a lot of people on that and was very interested in that. Um, but really, what pushed me of like, all right, I think I can do this on my own was, um, you know, the uh, my wife being pregnant. And what I wanted to do with the business is create a lifestyle business to where um, I could one kind of pick and choose um, the type of work that I wanted to work on and the stuff that I knew would be challenging and the stuff that would keep me excited. Um, but also as we have our son and um, 
let's say, you know, this past week he had a double ear infection. If I need to take time off and cancel meetings and move things around, um, I want to be able to do that. And then also as he grows up, like if I want to take Fridays off to, um, you know, be more flexible or, or do things with him, um, I want to give myself that option. And so, uh, that's kind of the driving force behind the business. And, uh, yeah, I mean, up to this point, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but there's always a balance of, uh, you know, managing the work and the lifestyle piece of it, especially when you're a new dad. Yes. Amen to all of that. I love how much that motivates you and inspires you and drives you as an entrepreneur. I'm not married yet and I don't have kids, but that's kind of one of the things that really drives me is, I don't know, I have this image in my head, Luke, of I'm just like, I want to be able to, on a Thursday afternoon, take my kids to the park and play soccer or tennis. Like That is the dream and it's something that is enabled and powered by creating value through our own ventures, through our own businesses. So I love how much that drives you. As we come towards the end of this session here today, Luke, I feel like we're only scratching the surface of your brilliance. One thing that I do want to ask you is, obviously, you've worked in the startup world and you brought up the notion of solopreneurship, which is so near and dear to our hearts at this show. What are some of those things that looking backwards in your career, you realize wow, this worked in the startup space, but it also for sure works as a solopreneur, as a service provider, as a consultant and an agency owner. What are some of those parallels that maybe people might not realize it sets you up for success, but that through your experiences, you've gained insights and you say, wow, this is going to drive my own growth even faster. Yeah. So I like the, the early stage sales process in startups, I, um, you know, I always tell people those early stage salespeople, it's a certain type of breed. It's the type of people that, you know, can't get too high when things are going well and can't get too low when things don't go well because it's such an unpredictable path that every day is going to be different. And I think, um, you know, learning that early on because it's like that's what's so fun of the early stage sales process is when you get those first deals, it is such a it's so much fun because it's like you figured something out and also you know the um the downs that come with it you know what i've learned from that is everything is a learning experience and you can kind of take those learning experiences and share them with the rest of the team but i think uh you know that entire process of those ups and downs are were a great learning experience for me as a business owner as well because essentially this is my own startup um selling myself and like the the expertise, I guess there. Um, but having that mindset and just understanding that like, it's all trial and error, and I'll figure it out as you go. But um, you need to kind of stay focused on the path and kind of stay level headed and not get too high and, and not get too low and just keep pushing forward. Yes, that's really poignant advice, Luke. It's funny. I always tell my non-entrepreneurial friends that we experience way higher highs than most and way lower lows. But I don't think I've ever explicitly heard that advice of kind of evening out those waves and learning how to stay calm throughout it. And you're right. I think that you're such a a great figure to give us that advice because I didn't even think about the crossover in sales is that, gosh, do we get rejected a lot in sales? We also have some big wins in sales. So you've naturally had to learn those through reps of experiencing those highs 
high highs and low lows. So I really appreciate that advice from you. And as we are at the end of our episode, I always love giving my guests the hardest part of the episode, which is an actionable takeaway because we talked about so many things here today from really identifying and laser focusing in on our ideal customers to some of the conversational stuff when it comes to curiosity and discovery calls to the actual strategy and process behind formulating how are you going to close this sale with all of those things in mind Luke and everything else that you've learned along the way what's the takeaway you hope every entrepreneur and entrepreneur gets from today's episode and actually takes action on and implements yeah um I think the biggest thing is is like if I'm sure a lot of people listening to this um and I know a lot of people in my network when I first decided hey I'm going out on my own I got so many responses from people that I'd worked with, people that I had met that have, you know, reached out and said, Oh, I've always thought about doing it, but you know, never um, really made the leap. And I think the the biggest thing that I would suggest is, um, you know, if this is something that you're thinking about doing, um, as an entrepreneur, kind of use that same mindset of, uh, you know, figure out what you like doing, figuring out what you're good at, but then also, try to understand like, you know, the, the market that you could be going after. And I'm sure, you know, even if you narrow it down, it's a big enough market to build a business. Um, and so that's the, the biggest thing I would, um, you know, give to people is try to identify your own ideal target market and identify the thing that you love doing. And then, um, you know, the first, th- the, the first thing I would say is, uh, the next thing that you want in life and business and your job is one cold email away and people are always willing to give time. And so if there's something that you're thinking about, send out a few emails to um, to people that you you might be selling to. And I'm sure people would be more than willing to give you feedback and point you in the right direction. Yes, really good advice. And I think when people combine it with so much of what you shared with us here today about being curious, discovering people's pain points, helping them put together that story, the business case of how they can use it and how your expertise, your product, your service will benefit them. I think that this is the perfect storm of actionable advice, Luke. So you've been such a wealth of knowledge. And before I cue you up to drop those links on us, I personally want to just throw it out there that I so respect the way that you do business as well. When listeners go to your website, which you're going to tell us where that is in just a second. I'm going to spoil it. It's qcgrowth.com, but I'm still going to queue you up for it, Luke, is that people will see that you address a lot of the objections that people might have. You address the pain points, the desired outcomes that early stage companies and, and startups have, because that's who you serve and you deeply understand them. But even down to the T of One thing you shared with us today is be transparent about your costs. You're transparent about it. I love your website because as someone who would want to do business with you, everything is so clearly laid out from a place of service. So I'm sure listeners, especially after my little tease, they're going to want to check all your stuff out. Luke, where the heck should listeners go to learn more about you, your company, QC Growth, and all the awesome stuff that you're up to? Yeah. Um... Uh, so yeah, website is qcgrowth.com. Um, you can also, I'm just Luke Bivens on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, in Twitter, there's a QC Growth as well, where I try to post as much as I can, um, but we'll always be willing to respond. And to the pricing point, yeah, I try to be as transparent as possible. I had people in my family that were like, so what was the thought process about putting your pricing on the site? And I was like, well, I hate going to websites and having to click contact sales to get the pricing. So why not just lay it there? And then if they want to reach out, you know, you can have the conversation. 
Yes, practicing what you preach. It's such a refreshing thing to see in the world of sales. So Luke, I really admire you for that. Listeners, you already know the drill wherever it is that you're tuning into today's episode. Scroll right on down. We'll be linking to qcgrowth.com so you can just click right on through there as well as a link to Luke's personal LinkedIn so that you, if you want to connect with him there, you want to have a conversation with him or you just want to say thank you for this episode. Don't be shy in reaching out. And Luke, on behalf of myself and all the listeners, thanks so much for sharing all of this stuff here with us today on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you. Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at theentrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you, and it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to theentrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.